<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right. Looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode. I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time, you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Goskowski approaches the football, and the Super Bowl is underway. 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 Touchdown! He steps up. He is going deep. And it is caught by Alshon Jeffrey for a touchdown! Oh, what a great catch by Alshon Jeffrey. A little play action. And after that big run, they immediately go up on top. And they get the big one to Alshon Jeffrey. He goes up over Eric Rowe. And he takes the football away. He was about nine and a half yards deep. To the right, it goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it, and the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick and Foles. It's a touchdown by Nick Foles. Foles caught the ball on a touchdown pass of the yard by the tight end. What did we just see? The Eagles with a trick play. Foles fires, slant, touchdown. Zach Ertz. He caught it, he bobbled it, and he never let it drop. And he finished with the football. The ball did pop up, but he regained control of the football. With White to his right, Brady back again. He stepped up his head and falls forward. He fumbled, and he fumbled the football, and the Eagles have it. He goes and takes the snap. Tom stands it. He loads up, he's hit. The ball's out. The ball's out. Philadelphia has it. Burnett comes away with the fumble. Tom Brady was hit. Brady moves up, he's hit the ball, George free. it's picked up by Philadelphia, picked up on the play by Barnett, it was loose and Brady was trying to throw, he was hit the ball, George free. We're very lucky to have this guy, a part of this team, I've been drinking him. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm on cloud nine. Celebration early. No, I'm, I started the celebration early, but <laughs> it was supposed to happen. It happened. You called it. It was supposed to happen. What a game. We will never forget this. Hopefully with joy in our hearts. Nine seconds left. Eagles by eight. Brady lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone. And it is batted around. And incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere. This is for you. Let the celebration begin. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now. My name is J. Scott Smith, and this is the 65th episode of the people's podcast this is jsc radio hey now how the hell is everyone doing welcome my friends to the podcast that never ends i'm j scott smith here with you coming in checking in from the other city of champions Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And we're getting all up in your damn face with that love and affection this week. Want to, of course, get off everything I need to get off here. Of course, thank you for supporting the show wherever you might be hearing it. Whether it's on the mothership, jscottsmith.com. Whether it's on the original, original home of the show, soundcloud.com slash JSC radio. I also appreciate all of you who subscribe to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Simply search JSC radio and you can get me right there on your Apple iPhone, your iPod, your iPad, even your MacBook. Just search JSC radio, hit the subscribe button. You don't have to do another damn thing. Same thing goes for Stitcher radio. That's right. Hit me up on Stitcher. Look for JSC radio. You're in there. Hit up Google Play. Bingo. You're in there. Audio boom. You're in there. Just about every single possible podcast outlet, my ass is there. Except Spotify, I'm working on that. But everywhere else, be sure to get at me. Be sure to follow me on the Twitter machine, at Smith. Follow the show, at JSC Radio. Get at me on Instagram, at Smith, And I am on the Facebook. Remember when it used to be called that? I am on the Facebook, at Real J. Scott Smith. How in the green and white and silver hell are you doing? I'm I'm in an odd place, to be honest with you. Because, obviously, as you can tell from the intro, about 90% of this show is going to be dedicated to the Super Bowl. I will say this. I will get a brief mention in of this ridiculous NBA trade deadline because apparently... LeBron James decided he was just going to let the Choppa sing on his entire team, basically. So it's like you're going to have the, the new and improved Cleveland Cavaliers. But I'll get to them a little bit later on here. The Super Bowl. Damn it, the Super Bowl. There's just so much there to talk about. There's just so much there to to touch on and get into. I mentioned it more so in the second half of the show couple weeks ago that 
it's a funny feeling for me because I'd never been in a city where its team was going to a Super Bowl. And yes, there is some shade being thrown at my hometown, the Motor City. Because let's just keep it real. The Lions have not exactly, you know, been anywhere near a Super Bowl since 1991. And even that year, they went to Washington and got their face caved in in the NFC Championship game. But at least they won a playoff game that year. They haven't done it since. Philly's been to two previous Super Bowls prior to the one this past weekend. But one was 1980 and the other one was 2004. I don't think I really could have imagined the energy and the vibe that tore through this place when they went through the Minnesota Vikings like bad Mexican food on national TV. Because I was one of the few people who wondered aloud how on earth were the Vikings favored over them. Especially knowing what we know about the Eagles now. Minnesota had no business being on the same field with them. That was men versus boys. I knew the Eagles were I knew the Eagles were good to go once they got through Atlanta because Atlanta was the gut check. Atlanta's the defending conference champ. They come in having just slapped around the Rams. They come in there. It made sense that they were a bit of a favorite. Minnesota made no sense. And they made a mess out of the Vikings that whole night. But the Super Bowl's a different animal. And that was Tom Brady. That was the Patriots. That was the that, that was the quintessential heel. That was the that was the big boss, the biggest of bosses. That only one guy it managed to take down in 15 years. And that guy was too busy dirty dancing with Odell Beckham during a Super Bowl commercial this year. So they were up in front of it big time. The Patriots were not to be taken lightly. Anybody who took the Patriots lightly likely was going to get their ass handed to them. Just ask Jacksonville. You were going to get your ass kicked if you if you started messing around with them. The Eagles went into this game and went into that Super Bowl with the biggest of chips on their damn shoulder. And it was a different vibe. Now, while I've never had the, the privilege of being able to cover or see my Lions, yes, I referred to them as such, in a Super Bowl, these Eagles reminded me a hell of a lot of the 2004 Detroit Pistons. And I say that because the 2004 Pistons were a similar makeup, albeit they didn't have, but I would say they had one superstar on the team, and that was Rasheed Wallace. And he was mercurial. Rasheed, by the way, Philly guy. But that was a mercurial team. But that was also a team that was angry. Those Pistons were angry. That was a team with a chip on its shoulder, and they went into every game looking to basically make you pay for your transgressions. They went in there to make you pay. They would lock you down defensively and find a way to nickel and dime you and beat you, and they went out there and beat three really good teams and the Milwaukee Bucks during the playoffs. The Milwaukee Bucks weren't that good, but they beat three really good teams. The New Jersey Nets, who had been the defending conference champions, the Indiana Pacers, who were the presumed heir apparent to the conference championship, and the Los Angeles Lakers, who basically had already made up the championship banner and were already planning the damn parade by the time the Pistons rolled into the Staples Center. And they went out there and they beat the brakes off all three. That's what these Eagles reminded me of. And it really, for me, wasn't until 
I mean, I'd seen the Eagles play, obviously, being out here. And I'd seen them racking up wins and just beating the hell out of teams. Just going out there. It didn't make a difference if you were a good team, bad team, playoff team, AFC team, NFC team, divisional rival. didn't make a difference. They went out there and put it on you. I loved it. They carried themselves with this swagger mixed with this anger. There was an anger in this team. And it was a fire in them. Like, they were finally fed up. And I also picked up that... The thing about Eagle fans that I've grown to find out and grown to know about them, the thing about Eagle fans is that, yeah, everyone says they're passionate and they're rowdy and they're wild. And yes, I'll get to what happened after the Super Bowl in a few minutes here. Just just keep your pants on. But the thing I've learned about Eagle fans is these, these people are so loyal. They are diehards. They live and die with this team. I've done a bunch of interviews the last couple of weeks talking about these Eagles amidst everything else that was going on with the other green and white that I've talked about the last couple of weeks. And I'm boy, am I thankful to take a week off from talking about that shit is that the thing I've said over and over again about the Eagles, about this city and about their fans is that this is like a college football atmosphere here. This is like a gigantic college town when it comes to them. The Sixers elicit passion. All right. They love them some Sixers. They support the hell out of the Sixers. Trust the process. You know it. Everybody knows it. The Phillies elicit a certain level of passion and pride out of this team. Hell, even the Flyers elicit a certain amount of passion and energy out of the out of these fans. They don't hold a candle to the damn Eagles. The Eagles winning that Super Bowl on Sunday meant they closed out the modern-day Grand Slam. Yes, smartasses and Weisenheimers, those of you who apparently aren't smart enough to realize that the modern-day NFL is different from the old NFL. That's why the championship that the Lions won in 1957 or the one that the Browns won in 1964 or the one that the Eagles got in 1960, they don't talk about those very much anymore. You want to know why? Because the Super Bowl happened in 1967 after the 66 season and then the AFL and the NFL merged for 1970. Therefore, all normal records in the NFL are split into two things, the modern-day NFL and the original NFL, the pre-merger NFL. Normally, you hear it referenced when they talk about the history of the league. They say post-merger or modern-day. That's what they mean. So to you smarmy little bastards who decided to jump on my Twitter feed trying to correct me or say that I'm reaching when I give you this legitimate stat, I'm going to need you to do two things. One, sit. Two, spin. Thank you very much. The Eagles and the city of Philadelphia, with that win, with that Super Bowl win, complete the modern-day Grand Slam. The four major trophies now officially reside in Philadelphia, New York, Boston, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Those four trophies, the Lombardi Trophy for winning the Super Bowl, the Commissioner's Trophy for winning the World Series, the Larry O'Brien Trophy for winning the NBA title, and of course, everyone's favorite trophy, the Stanley Cup. Now, the Flyers haven't won that one since 1975, but they've got two of them. The Sixers haven't won an NBA title since 1983, but they have three of them. The Phillies last got theirs. In fact, the 10th anniversary of their last win is coming up later this year. 
They got two, 1980, 2008. In fact, the Eagles and the, and the Phillies both were in championship rounds in the same year, 1980. The Eagles hadn't gotten one. The Eagles had never won a Lombardi trophy. Therefore, they cap off the modern day Grand Slam. Kiss my ass, all you millennials trying to correct me. Stay out of grown folks' business. Go read a book. Go learn about your sports history. Did you ever wonder why there's only been 52 Super Bowls, but there's like 100 years worth of shit in the NFL? Because the league existed before the Super Bowl. And all the things that happened prior to that Super Bowl, while important, don't hold the same weight that the modern day post-merger, if you will, NFL do. There's two NFLs, the one that was alive prior to 1966 and the one that was alive after the start of the 1966 season. And then you add in that extra benchmark of 1970 when the merger hit and everything fully changed. I wanted to get that out there because it really irritated me. I mean, it's bad enough when people try to correct you on the internet because more often than not, the people who try to correct you on the internet don't know what the hell they're talking about, but it really doesn't help when you're smug and you don't, and it's obvious you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. And you try to come off as smug and obnoxious. But no, there's only one smug, obnoxious bastard here, and it's me. So yes, the Eagles were able to complete that grand slam. But that was the one that meant the most. That's the holy grail. That's the one that they have been chasing. Every city has a team that elicits that passion. The Chicago Bulls won six NBA titles in, in what, eight years? The Chicago Bears did the whole Super Bowl shuffle in 1986. People talk about that one team still to this day. Hell, the Blackhawks have won multiple Stanley Cups in this decade. And, and everyone tends to forget this, the Chicago White Sox won a World Series in 2005. You want to know what the city of Chicago galvanized for? Except for the South Side. The Cubs winning the World Series two years ago. That was their passion. The Boston Celtics won 16 NBA titles from the time that the team was formed all the way to 1986. They won 16 NBA championships. 16. The Bruins won countless Stanley Cups. The Patriots have won five Super Bowls in less than 20 years and have been to seven total. Well, now eight total. It's unreal. You want to know what the city of Boston gave a damn about? 2004. Same year the Pistons won the NBA title. The Red Sox pulled off the unthinkable and 0-3 comeback in the American League Championship Series. Then going into St. Louis and sweeping the Cardinals, the team that had tormented them in the 1967 World Series, and won their first championship since 1918. 86 damn years. They would have given back all the Celtics titles, all the Stanley Cups, and all the Patriots Super Bowls to that point to get that Red Sox ring. It's passion that drives these people here. Yes, Eagle fans can be a little out of control. They can be a little wild. Things can get a little crazy. Shit gets broken or turned over. Yes, yes, and just to make some of you happy, yes, they rioted. Yes, there were criminals. Yes, some of them acted like thugs. And now that I've gotten that out of the way, I'll go back to talking to the grown-ups. Look, people acted like knuckleheads on Sunday night, but a lot of people had a hell of a lot of fun. And watching it out here on local TV and seeing some of it the next morning when I got up, 
It was amazing. There were some awesome scenes there of people proposing to their girlfriends. Yeah, it was, of course, very Philly-ish where she's standing there holding a 40 ounce and he's whipping out the ring. But look, we, we, we take it where you can get it around here. There is the scene of people marching through the streets where these two guys from the School for the Arts are up on their fifth floor apartment and the people are marching down Broad Street. They open up their windows. One guy pulls out a trombone. Another guy pulls out another horn and they start playing the Eagle fight song and they start singing along to it in the streets. People were hugging each other, crying. Joel Embiid randomly pops up during a live shot on Fox 29 out here. It was incredible. Yes, there were some dummies who jumped up and down on an awning at the and, and completely shattered the damn thing and we're doing trust falls off of it and i still want to know how the hell that nobody has dubbed jim ross's voice into the one guy doing a backwards trust fall into the ground off of that thing yes there were some assholes who went into a gas station completely looted and vandalized it yes there were some scumbags who smashed in the windows at the macy's down in center city Yes, there was mayhem. Yes, there were people acting like idiots. Yes, there was some dumbass who ate a pile of horse poo off the damn ground. Stop doing that. For Christ's sake, this is Philadelphia, not Cleveland. We're not out here eating horse dung on TV. What the hell? Yes, people acted like wild ass knuckleheads and I will not condone the property damage. I will not condone the car getting flipped in front of the Bellevue. I will not condone the looting and the wanton destruction and the people getting punched in the face. I will not condone any of that, but I will definitely condone people singing and cheering and crying and hugging and people bringing their kids out to enjoy it. There were people crying in courtyards out here at the apartment complex. There were people running and screaming in the streets. An air raid siren went off as soon as the game ended. Fireworks are unloading all over the place. Horns were blowing at two o'clock in the damn morning. This was passion. That's what this was. It was passion. That's what this is. Oh, but how is it when they celebrate, it's not called a riot, but when we protest, it's called a riot. How come they can tear up their neighborhoods and we can't tear up ours? First and foremost, don't tear up anybody's shit no matter what you're celebrating. I don't give a damn if you're celebrating a Super Bowl or you're protesting police brutality. Neither of these instances warrant you flipping somebody's car, smashing in somebody's windows, or raiding their business. How about that? Can we draw that line in the sand right now? Huh? Can we get that out of the way? Because I'm sick of hearing that comparison. No, you're not allowed to just smash somebody's windows and burn down somebody's house because you're pissed off that some guy was shot and killed mercilessly by a police officer. It's awful. It's terrible. And it is something that we definitely need to protest. But I'll be damned if you're going to smash up my house or destroy my business or destroy my only method of, of transportation to get your point across and then smugly tell me you can buy another one or you've got insurance, you can get another one. Yeah, okay, imagine I come into your house and start smashing up your shit because I'm pissed off at something or I'm celebrating something and I look there and tell you, hey, you can just buy another one, right? What's the problem? Wanton destruction of property ain't cool regardless of the instance, so get off of that. As for the Eagles and their fans, I'm not counting the ones who acted like morons and smashed up shit. But for the Eagles and their fans who, if they want to get drunk and they want to sing and yell and haul kegs into City Hall and do really silly, goofy things like climb a telephone pole or two, yeah, go ahead. Do it. It's fun. I've seen a hell of a lot worse in East Lansing when, when MSU won and lost championships, all right? 
So if you get happy, go nuts. Just don't smash up a bunch of things and don't rob businesses. Don't do that. Be better. Be better. That type of thing stays with a city. Trust me, I know. One car got burned outside of Tiger Stadium and we're still hearing about the shit more than 30 years later. Do better. Do better, Philly. Don't do that. I will say this, though. What I saw during the parade, what we saw all day today, oh my God, that was magnificent. It was absolutely magnificent. These people have waited more than 50 years to do this with the Eagles. There are a lot of people who are emotional because their parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles didn't live long enough to experience this. There were people who came from all over the country to go to the parade today. So there were, there were some people pouring ashes along the parade route or pouring their ashes, their father's ashes or their grandfather's ashes or their brother's ashes at the stadium. This means a lot to these people. And the reason I have a bit of a kinship with this is because I get where they're coming from because the team I follow has, it's 60 full years since they won anything. But unlike these Eagles, they don't have that dog in them. They don't have that anger in them. They don't have that meanness in them. They don't really have that chip on their shoulder. They're too whiny. They're too entitled. They're too happy just to be there. The Eagles no longer were happy just to be mediocre. They weren't sitting there whining and begging for accolades when they really didn't do anything like the Lions do. I mean, just think about the the passion that they showed in every one of these games. I can give you the exact moment that I suddenly said, this Eagle team is going to be a real problem, like a Super Bowl team. They played a game against the Bears. And yes, the Bears were terrible this year. But they played a game against the Bears on Thanksgiving weekend where they beat the brakes off that team. They made it a point to simply say, we aren't going to just dick around with you. We're going to go out here. We're going to embarrass you. And they embarrassed that team. It's the game that infamously brought us the Eagles doing the electric slide, or of course those of us from Detroit simply call it the hustle, doing the hustle on the Bears in the middle of the field after a game. That was the moment I said, this is a Super Bowl team. I don't care what position they end up in, this is a Super Bowl team. They are that damn good. And Wentz got hurt like two weeks later. And I can understand how they became underdogs to Atlanta, but not to Minnesota. And then they go to the Super Bowl, and you heard it in the intro. They took out the Patriots. They didn't get lucky. There wasn't somebody major got hurt. There wasn't some fluke play. They simply got into a fist fight mixed with a track meet with that team and beat them. Beat them. You, can't, you ain't got nothing but respect for a team that goes out and beats them. They beat the champ to become the champ. And then they came back here to Philly and had a champion-style celebration today. And let me, let me say this really quickly, because I'm going to close the show with one of the damnedest things ever. I'm going to take one quick second here, because I want to make sure I, I pin this in together nicely. The Eagles are honestly the first non-Detroit team I could truly say that I really love. This particular Eagle team. I love this team. They're some dogs. I know they were doing the whole underdog thing after the playoffs started, but that was a team full of dogs. I just mentioned the Lions come off to me as entitled. 
They come off to me as if they just expect everything to be handed to them. They expect all the accolades. They wonder why people just aren't happy that they're not terrible anymore. We've been down that road already on this show, and we're probably going to go down that road in a few months, even though Matt Patricia at least seems to be a steady grown-up in the room and not a petulant child like Jim Caldwell. But the thing about these Lions the last, really the last five, six years, is that they wonder why you aren't just happy they're no longer shitty. The Eagles wake up in the morning angry. This team had a chip on its shoulder and was daring you to come knock it off. They were pissed. I love a team that's pissed off. I love a team that's angry. That team was angry. And it all just kind of released out to the world after they won the Super Bowl. I want the Lions to be this angry team that has a chip on their shoulder. Not a bunch of fake tough guys like Indomitian Sue where you're stomping on guys in piles or guys like Titus Young or none of that. I don't need fake tough guys. These Eagles are real tough guys. And the best example of this, and I'm I'm going to say this in the best way I can. Jason Kelsey, the older brother of Kansas City tight end Travis Kelsey, is an offensive lineman here in Philadelphia. And during the parade, he gave one of the most amazing promos you will ever hear. It was so good that I'm going to let you hear the entire damn thing. I'm going to I'm going to let you hear the whole damn thing start to finish. I'm going to let you hear it because I don't think I can do it justice by simply breaking it down and talking about it. So I'm going to let you hear this entire damn thing to close this segment out. Because in all honesty, I can't do it justice with simply words. So I'm going to let him, another fellow Jason, do the talking. And then when I come in on the back end, I'll break this whole thing down for you. But this is from the Eagles parade today on the Rocky Steps out in front of the art museum. And here's Jason Kelsey letting the whole damn world know how he feels. I know Lane and Chris just talked about this, but I don't think that it's been beat home enough. Howie Roseman, a few years ago, was relinquished of all control pretty much in this organization. He was put in the side, hey, hey! He was put in the side of the building where I didn't see him for over a year. Two years ago, when they made a decision, he came out of there a different man. He came out of there with a purpose and a drive to make this possible. And I saw a different Howie Roseman, an underdog, Doug Peterson. When Doug Peterson was hired, he was rated as the worst coaching hire by a lot of freaking analysts out there in the media. This past offseason, some clown named Mike Lombardi told him that he was the least qualified head coach in the NFL. You saw a driven Doug Peterson, a man who went for it on fourth and down, 
he's playing for a Super Bowl. And it don't stop with him. It does not stop with him. Jason Peters was told he was too old. Didn't have it anymore. Before he got hurt, he was the best freaking tackle in the NFL. Stephen Wisniewski ain't good enough. Jason Kelsey's too small. Lake Johnson can't lay off the juice. Brandon Brooks has anxiety. Austin Wentz didn't go to an official one school. Nick Foles don't got it. Boy Clement's too slow. Airplane ain't got it anymore. Jay and John can't stay healthy. Tory Smith can't catch. Nelson Aguilar can't catch. Zach Gers can't block. Red Selleck's too old. Brandon Graham was drafted too high. Danny Curry ain't got it. Oh, hell, I can't fit the scheme. Michael Cummings can't fit the scheme. Nigel Bradham can't catch. Jalen Mills can't cover. Patrick Robinson can't cover. Jeff Stalin has had this in our building for five years. It's a quote in the O-line room that has stood on the wall for the last five years. Hungry dogs run faster. And that's this team. Bottom line is, we wanted it more. All the players, all the coaches, the front office, Jeffrey Lurie, everybody wanted it more. And that's why we're up here today, and that's why we're the first team in Eagles history to hold that freaking trophy. And you know who the biggest underdog is? It's y'all, Philadelphia. For 52 years, y'all have been waiting for this. You want to talk about underdog? You want to talk about a hungry dog? For 52 years, you've been starved in this championship. Everybody wonders why we're so mean. Everybody wonders why the Philadelphia Eagles are, aren't the nicest fans. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm fucking pissed off. No one wanted us. No one liked this team. No analysts liked this team to win the Super Bowl, and nobody likes our fans. And you know what? I've just heard one of the best chants this past day, and it's one of my favorite, and it's new, and I hope y'all learn it, because I'm about to drop it right now. You know what I got to say to all those people that doubted us, to all those people that counted us out, and to everybody who said that we couldn't get it done? What my man Jay and John just said, fuck you!
See, where the hell do I begin? I, I, I've heard pro wrestlers who couldn't bring it like that. Jason Kelsey, who, to understand how ridiculously incredible this was, he's up there in a mummer's outfit. Now, for those of you not from Philadelphia, think of, like, really drunken union guy in Mardi Gras costumes. That would be what mummers are. They do their thing on January 1st. It's loud. It's drunken. It's borderline racist. It's everything you can think of for a New Year's Day. That's the outfit he was wearing. Go look up Jason Kelsey doing this promo, and you'll see him up there looking like some sort of combination of Macho Man Randy Savage and the Grand Wizard, the you know the the manager from the 1970s, not a you know another Grand Wizard that we certainly won't get into. That's what he looked like giving that ridiculous promo, and it's fitting that he gave it in Philadelphia, the home of ECW, because that was an ECW level promo. It's like he channeled Bubba Ray Dudley. It's like he channeled Paul Heyman and a little bit of Matt Foley from Saturday Night Live. He was on fire. The dude got a what chant going during a Super Bowl parade. Jaggers came block. Red Zellick's too old. Randy Graham was drafted too high. Vinnie Curry ain't got it. Oh, well, I can't fit the scheme. What the hell am I going to do with that? He got a what chant going during a Super Bowl parade. He then wheels around and unleashes the F-bomb to, I mean, come on. No one liked this team. No analysts like this team to win the Super Bowl, and nobody likes our fans. And you know what? I've just heard one of the best chants this past day, and it's one of my favorite, and it's new, and I hope you all learn it. Because I'm about to drop it right now. You know what I got to say to all those people that doubted us, to all those people that got us out, and to everybody who said that we couldn't get it done? What my man Jay and John just said, fuck you! Come on. Come on, bro. If you're going to drop F-bombs on TV, and you've got, you're going to have radio stations and TV stations that aren't cable or satellite with their butt cheeks clenched up knowing that they've got an FCC fine of epic proportions on their way, do it the way he did it. Jason Kelsey and that Eagle team showed anger, showed passion. I would take 40 guys like Jason Kelsey in Lions uniforms. I would take that entire damn Eagle team and put them in Lions uniforms because they get it. They are some dogs, not just underdogs. They are the big dog, and I'm not talking about Roman Reigns. They have the type of anger and the type of fire and the type of passion I want to see in my Detroit Lions. Yes, I called them my Detroit Lions because whether I like it or not, that's my damn team for better or worse. And I would love to see that sense of entitlement, that cockiness, that arrogance, that condescension slapped out of that team because a team like the Lions would get their doors blown off by these Eagles. These Eagles would mercilessly smash them. Just like they mercilessly smashed the Vikings, like they mercilessly smashed the Bears. It, it wouldn't even be a fair fight. These Eagles wouldn't, wouldn't spare the Lions anything. They sure as hell wouldn't spare them the rod. They'd give them the buckle. What I want to see is more of that. Salute to the Eagles. Salute to the city of Philadelphia. They deserve it. They've earned it. They've, they've waited 50 damn years for this man. 
This city deserves it. They've been partying non-damn stop since Sunday. They're going to party all the way through this damn weekend, and they deserve it. To the victor goes the spoils. And dilly dilly, motherfucker, it's in Philadelphia. It is what it is. If you want to knock them off, you better come with it because you can't come soft shoeing it. You can't come with some Eric Ebron weak sauce. You got to come out here and actually be ready to beat this team. And I don't know who's going to do it next year because if you thought the Eagles and their fans were tough to deal with this year, imagine what it's like now that these people, these rabid animals, and I mean that in the nicest way possible, these rabid animals in Philadelphia finally got their hands on a championship. The only thing scarier than the Eagle fans and the Eagles themselves chasing that ring is them holding on to it. Good luck in 2019. But before I make my way out of here, I I would be remiss if I didn't take a second, a real quick second, to talk about that NBA trade deadline. And no, 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 no. I'm not here to talk about Jameer Nelson getting picked up by the Pistons. I didn't even realize that Jameer Nelson was still in the league. I thought Jameer Nelson had retired like three or four years ago. Apparently, he started the season in New Orleans and had been in Chicago for like a cup of coffee. I don't even know if he ever played a game for the Bulls. That's just, I just, I just heard he was still in the league and the Pistons magically traded for him because Stan Van Gundy is desperate to, you know, make the playoffs because that's all that, you know, management really wants that, Making the playoffs is good enough for them. So, no, I'm not talking about the Pistons. What I'm talking about, and you knew what the hell I was going to talk about, what I'm talking about is this insanity that was going on in the midst of the Eagle Parade coming out of Cleveland. Now, the Cavaliers have been pretty damn disappointing. I mean, every year, you really for the last, ever since LeBron came back, to be honest, the Cavs would have this really ugly stretch of basketball where they would lose four or five games in a row. They'd have a stretch where they'd lose 10 out of 12 and would always come right around this time of year, about mid-January to mid-February. They would just go into the tank for some unexplained reason or so. But this one seemed to be dragging on a little longer, and they were out here losing to teams they had no business losing to. They're out here losing to teams like Orlando. They're out here getting beat by New Orleans. They're out here losing to the Pistons. Things just weren't right. And we all remember that Kyrie Irving got traded, got traded to Boston. And the guy got traded for was the other Isaiah Thomas, not the real Isaiah Thomas, number 11 for the Detroit Pistons. The other Isaiah Thomas, who can't seem to stay on a team for more than three years or three months in this case. The original, original, Isaiah was always known as a locker room politicker, but he was also the captain of the damn team. The newer and slightly smaller Isaiah Thomas got to Cleveland and immediately became a bit of a nuisance to the point where he just annoyed the hell out of LeBron James. And if there's one guy in Cleveland, you do not want to annoy, it's him. You can piss off Dan Gilbert before you piss off LeBron James. He managed to piss off LeBron James. He did a lot of yapping in the locker rooms, did a lot of talking. You could tell a lot of the stuff that was getting out about the Cavs. People were starting to wonder if the little rat in the room was Isaiah Thomas. Well, they sure enough fixed him because they traded him, Channing Frye, and the Cavaliers protected first round pick to the Los Angeles Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. 
If you're an old head like me, you remember when Larry Nance Sr., whose number is actually retired in Cleveland. I'm guessing they're probably going to give that kid his dad's number. But the number is retired in Cleveland, by the way. I remember when Larry Nance and Brad Doherty and Mark Price played on those Cavaliers. I remember I'm just old enough to remember seeing videos of Larry Nance winning dunk contests. That's a long ass time ago. So Isaiah Thomas who just one calendar year ago was wearing the number four in Boston and was a damn hero on that team, has since been traded twice and wore out his welcome as quickly as he possibly could have in Cleveland and got shipped out. This is happening during the Eagle Parade, but it gets better. Shortly thereafter, a second trade out of Cleveland shows up where Dwayne Wade, who ain't been there but about 15 minutes his damn self, got shipped back to the Miami Heat. He went back to Miami. Let me stress this again. Dwayne Wade, who inexplicably left the Miami Heat to go play in Chicago, got shipped over to Cleveland in the offseason because they were trying to build this super team to counteract the Golden State Warriors, who literally did nothing on trade deadline day and may have actually gotten better along the way. But... They bring in Dwayne Wade to try to rekindle the the fire that Braun and Wade had down in Miami. It really wasn't working. And halfway through the season, Dwayne Wade gets shipped back to Miami, the place he probably shouldn't have left in the first place. And Gabrielle Union couldn't have been happier to get the hell out of Northeast Ohio. I don't blame you, Gabby. I wouldn't want to be in Northeast Ohio at any time of year, but especially in the winter. Hell, I said it last week. Blake Griffin can sit here and smile and glad hand and kiss everybody's ass and tell them how happy he is to be in Detroit. That motherfucker is lying to you because there's another snowstorm plowing through my city right now, and it's going to be like that until at least mid-March in Michigan. And considering the Pistons normally don't play that much further past mid-March in Michigan, that's going to suck. And the same goes for getting the hell out of Cleveland. But Wade goes back to Miami, and the Heat aren't exactly bad this year. He's actually going back to Miami to a team that might have a little bit of something to say. They may not win the East, but you put Goran Dragic with Dwayne Wade. You got yourself a decent little team, and they've been ripping off wins. So it actually helps Miami in the long run. But the Cavs still weren't done. They then traded Jay Crowder, the other guy who came over from Boston with Isaiah Thomas, along with the corpse of Derrick Rose. They shipped them out to Utah in a three-team deal with the Sacramento Kings that yielded Rodney Hood and George Hill to the Cavs. Poor Iman Shumpert, who I'm, I bet he's wondering how the hell did I end up in the middle of this? He got shipped to Sacramento. Damn. Who did Iman Shumpert piss off to get shipped out to Sacramento? The Jazz released Derrick Rose so he can go conceivably sign with a playoff team. Maybe he should just take his ass back to Chicago, count his money, and retire because his knees ain't a hell of a lot better than mine, and I'm about 10, 12 years older than him, which is damn crazy. It's easier to look at the guys who didn't get shipped out. Here's who didn't get traded from the Cavaliers. LeBron, obviously. If you think his fingerprints weren't on some of this, you're absolutely high. Kevin Love, who's out with an injury. Tristan Thompson survived the bloodletting. Anything is possible because J.R. Smith is still in Cleveland. Ante Zizic is still there. Jose Calderon, Jeff Green, Kyle Korver. And then three guys I've never heard of, Seti Osman, London Parantis, and John Holland. And I'm sure you basketball nerds will just be all up in my mentions 
at, you know, at J. Scott Smith or at JSC Radio, because I apparently don't know who the hell London Parantes is. But guess what? That was maybe the most fun was watching the Eagle Parade while seeing Adrian Wojnarowski and 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 what I want to make sure I get his name right. He has a funny name, but I always get Sham Sharina out here dropping these bombs. I know Woj bomb is basically like trademark now, but dropping these bombs during the NBA trade deadline. It was absolutely lovely. It was lovely. Yeah, it was a fun sports day. You don't get a lot of fun sports days anymore between the Eagles and that amazing, amazing parade with the unreal promo from Jason Kelsey to the NBA trade deadline. It's actually kind of fun around here for the first time in a while. And it was good to be able to do a fun show for the first time in a while. And I'm still going to give you that damn retro review. One of these days, I'll be able to get some time to do it. So don't think I've forgotten about that. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and I'm telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And also don't forget, you adopt, you don't buy. Stay out of those damn pet stores. Stay out of those damn puppy mills. And we are out of here. JSC TV returns for real this time on Saturday at 12 noon. And you know I'm talking Super Bowl and all things Jason Kelsey. I will see your ass back here next week for the 66th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Shouts out to my man, Doc Illensworth. Big ups to Rufio Jones. Big ups to Awesome Jones. No relation. And I'll see your ass next week. Goodbye, everybody. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.